0: Stephen Bathory was born on 27th of September 1533 and became the third elected King of Poland in 1576. He reigned for 10 years. Within a decade, he was one of the most successful kings in Polish history, particularly in the realm of military history and the reform of the judicial system. He had no children, his father and two brothers had gout, and his brothers died before the age of 50 years. After a hunting trip, the king began to experience fatigue and chest pains accompanied by fainting spells. Two of his doctors had opposing opinions on the best forms of treatment. Dr Simon Simonius believed in the humo- in the humoral theory and determined that the symptoms were due to overexposure to cold and recommended steady warming of the king. Dr Brusella believed that the disease was organic in nature and recommended cooling agents to treat the king. These opposing treatments, alongside Dr Brusella's critical remarks about Dr Simonius, led to a lot of conspiracy within the court. The king died nine days after the beginning of these symptoms at the age of 53 years old. During the mummification procedure of the king's body, the surgeon Jan Zigulitz found cysts in the kidneys, and he described them as being large like those of a bull with an uneven and bumpy surface. These renal symptoms were not believed to be related to the king's death at the time. However, based on available information, 347 years later, a group of physicians and historians at Krakow concluded that the probable cause of the king's death was polycystic kidney disease. Welcome to Genetic Drift, the podcast where we take a deep dive into the world of genetic diseases. I'm your co-host, Anthony. And
1: I'm Juliet. What did he describe the cysts as like?
0: Large like a bull's and being bumpy and uneven on the surface. Like a bull's cysts? I think like their testicles.
1: Okay. I am confused. What are we covering?
0: <laughs> okay, so we're covering... Autosomal dominant polycystic kidney disease.
1: That was a scary name. Okay. Autosomal dominant. That's the thing you usually test me on later in the show about what kind of genetic condition it what kind of genetic condition it is. Yep. So this condition is not sex-linked. Correct. And you only need one parent to pass it on. Correct. Yay. What were the other words?
0: Polycystic.
1: Lots of cysts.
0: Kidney disease.
1: In your kidney?
0: Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. What's a
0: cyst? <laughs> so a cyst is like a small benign growth. A growth? Yeah, like like uh like a tumor, except it you know, it's not going to become cancerous at any point.
1: It's a little tumor.
0: Yeah. Ugh. So autosomal dominant polycystic kidney disease is the most prevalent and potentially lethal monogenic human disorder. By that, I mean one gene mutation leads to this condition.
1: Oh, okay. Not, not loads and loads of genes like some of the others we've covered.
0: Well, yeah, it's, if you have a mutation in one gene, then you get the condition, yeah.
1: Okay, so it's really common?
0: Yes. You're going to ask how common it is? How common? Of course. So the uh, prevalence of this condition is about one in a thousand.
1: That is quite common. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, so this is a it's it's a name for a group of disorders with related but distinct forms of uh of development of disease. And uh, these are characterized by the development of cysts in the kidneys and various other symptoms that happen outside of the kidneys normally because of what the kidneys are doing. Okay. So this has a few symptoms. They're not necessarily that surprising in a lot of cases. So what's kind of a bit scary is that you don't uh, you don't tend to have clinically apparent symptoms until you're 40 to 50 years old. So a doctor is not going to notice it until you're about 40.
1: Okay, does that mean you don't really have the condition until you're older or that you've had little cysts the whole time? The and- latter. Ah!
0: So it is developing, but it just hasn't produced any symptoms yet until it's gotten to a certain point.
1: So my kidneys could be full of little tumours and I don't know?
0: In theory, but considering that this isn't a new family, I think we can be pretty secure that's not the case.
1: Okay, what happens with all these little tumours? They don't sound good, and the image in my head is really gross.
0: So they can affect how the kidney functions, and ultimately what those symptoms can do What symptoms that leads to are high blood pressure, pain in your back or your side, so around about where the kidney is, so you get kidney pain. You can also have blood in your urine, a feeling of fullness in your abdomen, so you can feel kind of just like stuffed up, increased size of the abdomen due to the kidneys being enlarged and therefore just kind of expanding everything, headaches, kidney stones, and most patients will experience kidney failure by the age of 70.
1: Kidney failure is really bad, isn't it?
0: Yeah, kidney failure is what puts you on dialysis.
1: Dialysis means you have to be hooked up to a machine for ages?
0: Yeah, three hours, three times a week or something like that. Wow. And the machine has to filter your blood for you.
1: Okay, why do you end up with high blood pressure?
0: So that all goes back to the uh, basic function of the kidney. So shall we break that down a little bit?
1: Yeah, my, I'm I'm reaching back to high school biology here. Kidneys filter the blood. Yes. Um yeah, that's all I got.
0: Okay. So your kidneys are one of the steps you have in getting rid of toxins from your body or toxic substances from your body. You either pee things out or you poo them out in general. So the kidneys are for the peeing route. So the very simple breakdown first is that the kidneys will filter out uh, material from your blood that can then go into the bladder and be peed out. Okay. And the steps that are involved in that is that you first have a part of the kidney. It's called the glomerulus. What it is, is it's just a bunch of capillaries. So little blood vessels all together. And what that means is you've got all this blood, uh, all this blood flowing with lots with a high surface area. So all the things can uh, diffuse out of it, and it then goes through the next stage that's called a Bowman's capsule, which is just a filter. And that filter prevents things from leaving the blood and going into the kidney that are bigger than uh, than proteins of a certain size. Proteins bigger than a certain size and cells. So your blood cells and you re- and some of the really important proteins stay in your blood. Okay.
1: All the time. okay. Back up. So in my head. A kidney is just like a bean-shaped bag that Mm -hmm. your blood just kind of all pools in and then comes out as you're in the other side. And I feel like from what you're saying, that might be incorrect.
0: (laughs) No, uh, yeah. So the, the lobes of the kidneys are kind of what do all those, all those things. So if you imagine you have like the outer bit where the blood comes in and it goes through the bits of the lobe and it goes through these different steps that we're going to be describing until, and then if, and then everything that's gone through that step, then filters out into the central bit of the bean and comes out of the kidney into the bladder.
1: Okay. So is it like all of your so is what goes into the kidney like your full blood with all the blood cells and everything?
0: No. That's what the Bowman's capsule filters out. It prevents it from getting into the kidney. So proteins above a certain size in cells can't get into the kidney.
1: Okay. So what's made it into the kidney through this these first processes is like the, the goop blood cells flow in?
0: Basically, yeah. So you've got water, salt, sugar, and small amino, small proteins and amino acids. Okay. So once it gets through that stage, you then have different tubes that it goes through. And what the roles of each of those tubes are, are to return things back to the blood based on your body's need for them. So they'll have receptors for different hormones that you'll, that your body can send to it to say, I need more water, I need more, I need more sodium, I need more sugar. And what will happen is, based on those signals, different channels will open in those tubes, which allows them to pass through. So the first tube, which so is... So,
1: like a mill sorting machine? Yeah. Thank you for allowing that analogy.
0: So the first tube... I'm
1: very proud of it.
0: So the first tube is called the proximal tube, because it's the first one. And... Its role it it's it, it does return some salt and water to the blood, but its main role is to put the sugar the glucose back into your blood and you you know it returns all of it because you need it all really in most cases unless you have some form of diabetes and also to return the amino acids that you need okay then you have the next step which is called the the loop of Henley, obviously named after someone who discovered it and it just looks like a big U bend. And this tube is mainly responsible for returning water and salt to your blood. And interestingly, camels have really big ones because they need to keep as much water as they can because of the desert environment. Okay. And then it goes into the next tube where you can return some more salt and water and then it goes uh and then it all fills uh, goes into a collecting tube that then feeds to the bladder. And that's how the kidney works.
1: Okay. I understood that.
0: Yeah, it's just sorting things out. Takes everything in, returns things that, that you need, and removes the stuff you don't.
1: Okay. So, back to our symptoms. You said...
0: Blood pressure.
1: High blood pressure. I have no idea how your kidney would mess with your blood pressure.
0: If you're not filtering out enough water, you're going to have too much water in your blood. And therefore, the, then you therefore there's a higher volume of blood, which will mean more pressure.
1: Oh, wait, is blood pressure just like too much or too little blood?
0: No, it can be a variety of things. So either it can be the volume of liquid in the blood, or it can be how tightly the tubes are squeezing. Oh, so it's like a hose pipe. If you put more water through it, you get more pressure. If you squeeze the tube, you get more pressure.
1: Ah, huh. okay. So, high blood pressure, and are you going to end up with kind of imbalances in your salt or water if, you're, yes. if you have cysts blocking everything?
0: Yeah, which is why you can get headaches.
1: Ah, because you're dehydrated.
0: Yes, exactly. You can also, if you've got cysts in those areas, obviously that can damage and blood can leak in, and that's why you can get blood in your urine. Because if, t- if, if you have something growing where it shouldn't, it potentially tears some of the tissue.
1: When you have blood in your urine, it's because your kidney is leaky?
0: Sometimes. Or it could be that your bladder is damaged.
1: Neither things are good.
0: No, no. So if someone... Uh, it's been used as a trope in films sometimes, if someone's been hit in the kidneys and they comment that they'll be peeing blood later. It's, it's a genuine thing. If you have trauma to the kidneys, it can cause you to pee blood. Okay. And these cysts will cause trauma to your kidneys. So... Yeah, so you can see how you can get these symptoms. Another interesting kind of symptom that you get that's a little less obvious is that you can get a lot of urinary tract and kidney infections. I guess it's just because you've got a bumpy, rough surface that bacteria can attach to.
1: Oh, okay. So how do you find out if you have polycystic kidney disease?
0: You look at the kidney. Jules is actually looking at her tummy to see if she can see her kidney. Okay, we have ways of looking at the kidney. So, ultrasound is a very common one. So, like you do when you're looking at a baby, or when you're looking for gallstones, or for kidney stones, you just put a bit of jelly on someone's stomach to get better contact, and you put a little device on, and then you can look into the kidney. Okay. I know for a fact I don't have any cysts on my kidneys, because I had them checked a while back. Oh, cool. You have a CT scan as well? which is just the when they take lots and lots and lots of x-rays and sheets, or you can have an MRI scan. In each case, you're looking directly at the kidney to see if the kidney looks like it should do or if there are little cysts growing on it.
1: Okay, so is this the kind of thing that can be caught earlier if if you happen to have your kidneys checked for some reason?
0: Yes, and if you have a family history as well, then you might do it. Because, you know, sort of dominant, as we've been saying, then... If your dad has autosomal dominant polycystic kidney disease, you, you might go ahead and get yourself checked quite early. There is also a genetic screen.
1: Oh, okay. Because it's just the one gene?
0: Yeah. And there's a weird quirk to this, which is, for some reason, it's more the, the screen is more sensitive for testing over 30-year-olds. I have no idea why.
1: But you either have a gene or you don't.
0: Well, you have the genes, either you have the mutation or you don't, but I don't know why. Uh, I I, I have no idea. I think it might be to do with why they test the patient in the first place or something like that. Okay. But yeah, needless to say, this condition has a bit of a mixed outlook. Oh no. As I said before, kidney failure tends to happen by the age of 70 years. So based on severity the typical life expectancy is between 53 and 70 years old oh so it is shortened sometimes quite noticeably compared to the rest of the population uh, so it is quite a quite a severe condition
1: oh wow. but i i always think of kidneys as a thing that are pretty treatable
0: well if you have kidney failure you need to get a kidney transplant or you die you have to have dialysis to keep you alive, and dialysis only lasts for some time. Really? Yeah, it's not perfect. Okay. It's most cases, what you really want to use dialysis for is to keep a patient going until you can get them a kidney transplant.
1: And does this, and does polycystic kidney disease affect both kidneys? Yes. Oh, that sucks.
0: mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Well, that's that's how you have full kidney failure and why people can die at an earlier age. If it was just the one kidney you could compensate. Oh dear. And strangely, people who have had kidney transplants have three kidneys.
1: Oh yeah, they just leave a kidney in.
0: Yeah, it's too it's it's too um it's too severe a surgery to just remove the kidneys as well as putting a kidney in. So you just put the kidney in and leave the and leave the two dysfunctional ones. That's
1: so weird. Okay, so I guess that's us getting into treatment.
0: Yeah. There are treatments. So let's go first with the medical treatments, so the drug-based ones. You have uh, a group of medicines that are called aquaretic drugs.
1: Water...retic?
0: I don't know. Etymology is not my thing. But what this drug does is it makes you pee more, but you retain the electrolytes. So you don't pee out all the electrolytes like you would with a diuretic drug.
1: Oh, didn't know you could do that.
0: I didn't either until I saw this. This is cool.
1: So you just pee out water?
0: Yes, you keep the salts. How cool. Or at least you keep more of the salts. The other kind of drugs you have are mostly pain management. So these can include non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, so paracetamol, ibuprofen, aspirin. Or if your pain is worse, which at some point it probably will be, you get opioid pain medication.
1: So So what's causing the pain here?
0: The cysts in the kidneys. The kidneys are quite sensitive. They've got a lot of um, nerves.
1: Okay, so as the cysts grow, they cause a load of pain. Yep. Yeah. Well, is that kind of like polycystic ovarian?
0: The pain is worse in polycystic kidney. Really? Yeah. It's a more. It's it's a it's a more what's called innervated organ. So it's got more nerves there sending signals compared to the ovaries. The ovaries are very small. The kidneys are quite large comparatively.
1: Gosh, so you could be in a lot of pain. Ah.
0: Yeah, it's so very, very painful, which is why there is a surgical intervention they have for pain management sometimes, which is called denervation.
1: Getting rid of the nerves?
0: They'll actually cut the nerves to remove sensation from the kidney. What? Because the pain is that bad and will not respond to medical treatment.
1: I've never heard of that as a thing.
0: I haven't either. And it it chills me to think the level of pain you have to go through. For them to... Consider that. Whoa. Because neuralgia in general, nerve pain, is horrifying. It's really horrifying. For anyone that doesn't know, it's like whatever area is having severe neuralgia Basically feels like you're being electrocuted while a hot wire goes through a channel that, the channel of the nerve with acid. It's horrible. So, to be at a point where they've gone, it's not worth trying to manage this with medication, we're just going to cut the signal off, is insane. <sighs> this is a horrible experience for people to go through, and I really hope that they find that, uh, that we get better pain management for patients.
1: Oh, I hope so.
0: Because the, That's obviously not all patients undergo that. It's a minority of them get to that stage of that level of pain where denervation is considered, but that is horrible. Yeah. There are other surgical procedures that are used for treating polycystic kidney disease.
1: Can you just go in and cut the cyst cell?
0: Well, yes. See,
1: I could be a doctor. So
0: it's called laparoscopic cyst removal. Laparoscopic is keyhole surgery, so... They cut small little holes, and they go in with a camera and some equipment, and they cut out the cysts. You can do that in su- You can do that for some cysts, not necessarily all of them.
1: Okay, I presume that this can only be done, like, once or twice, and you can't keep going in and cutting things?
0: It depends where the cysts are. If they're all sitting on the outside of the kidney, you could probably keep going back in. But any that are deep in the kidney, this kind of surgery is probably not going to work. And you have to do something else, such as a nephrectomy
1: get rid of the kidney?
0: Yes. They will sometimes surgically remove the kidney, which makes sense if it's causing absolute chaos and pain and it's not benefiting the patient and doing its job, then it's probably worth getting rid of. You also, and this is like the very latest stages of polycystic kidney disease, patients will uh, may receive kidney transplant. Obviously the problem here is organ donor lists. Yeah. Organ donor, sorry. The problem here is organ donor lists.
1: Yeah, there's only so many kidneys around.
0: Yeah, and there's also only so many people who are either going to donate their one, one of their two kidneys and shorten their life expectancy, willingly, or there are only so many people who have died on time to be able to provide two kidneys to two patients.
1: And also, um, with donating organs, you have to have kind of a match so your body doesn't reject it, right?
0: Well, so we often actually give immunosuppressant drugs when it comes to organ transplants rather than... So bone marrow, you do need a match because what you're doing there is developing the immune system of someone normally or the cells that they develop. But with, uh, with, a, kid, with a kidney or a lung or the heart um, or the liver, what we do, in, what, what doctors do instead is they will put any organ that's healthy enough in And then they will give people drugs to suppress the immune response so that your body doesn't reject it. Okay. So azathioprine, for example, is one that's used, which is also a drug I'm on, but I'm in much lower doses than anyone who has an organ transplant is on.
1: Okay. If you get a donated kidney, does that stop your disease or does your body just go, oh, this is mine now and start growing
0: cysts in it? I think because the tissue of the kidney has the genes of the healthy donor, that the kidney itself won't actually develop cysts.
1: So it can be a cure.
0: Be a cure for the kidney-based symptoms, yes, potentially. This is the problem. Is this is like because of how important kidneys are. This is only given to late-stage patients who are suffering kidney failure and things like that. So I don't think there's been much look on how to use this as a long-term cure for patients.
1: Okay, so it it saves people's lives, but does it not save their life for a few years help them? Decades. Yeah, okay, this is what I mean.
0: Yeah, well, but but that's because it's giving them a working kidney. Uh, Whether or not... And it shouldn't develop cysts or anything like that because... It has the yes. other person's DNA. Okay,
1: so this can save someone's life and yes. give them decades more to live.
0: Yes. Yeah, no, they're very important. It's why, you, know, if you can and you're willing, you should definitely be registered to donate your organs.
1: Yes. Get your organ donor card.
0: Yeah, I mean, thankfully now in the UK, you actually instead opt out of donating organs just to make sure that people have a supply, which is, I think, a good thing.
1: Yes, if you're in the UK and weren't aware, surprise, you're donating your organs.
0: Yep, already checked. Digestive, um, large intestine is not something that they look for.
1: Nobody wants your organs, aunt.
0: Well, they wouldn't be able to find half of them. <laughs> but yeah, so that's the surgical ones. And then obviously dialysis is another option because kidney failure being kind of an end point for a lot of uh, patients here, dialysis is what a patient will then end up on. Ideally, just until they can get a kidney transplant.
1: So dialysis is like robot kidney you get hooked up to to clean your blood for you, right?
0: Yeah, so you undergo a surgical procedure where they get two of the larger veins deeper in your arm and basically pull them up towards the surface Ugh. and kind of stitch them together. And that's Okay, so you that- didn't
1: need to motion while you told me that to show the pulling of the veins.
0: Sorry, there was, a, I was I was on a ward with someone who had that procedure done while I was there. And he told me about it and showed me his arm.
1: You did not need to pass that on
0: to me. But the reason you do that is that then it doesn't take much effort to put a needle in to a large vein and an artery, which is what you then need in order to filter the blood. Okay. And then it goes through a machine, and the machine does all the filtering for you, and then it puts the blood back in that's been filtered. And it's a slow process, it's not pleasant... And you go in a few times a week and can, it can give you years, but not as many as a kidney will give you. So ideally, you just want to be on it for a couple of years or so and have a, and have a transplant. Yeah. But, uh, there are, um, there are some controversial things with some companies pushing people to stay on dialysis, but that's a completely separate matter.
1: I have no idea what you're talking about.
0: Um, it was covered in last week tonight about how there are some companies that provide dialysis services in the States and they actually discourage their patients from getting kidney transplants because they say that dialysis is more effective, which the data does not support.
1: Well, that makes me incredibly angry. Mm-hmm. I mean-
0: so that is the thing. So anyone uh, in the States, uh so you know, obviously you do your own reading, but... Kidney is better than dialysis.
1: Yay, kidneys!
0: So, we've already covered what type of uh, disease this is, like mutation wise.
1: Autosomal dominant.
0: Yeah, so that's kind of obvious. Now, Mara said how it's one gene that gets mutated to cause the disease. It is in each patient. There are technically two different genes, they're just called PKD1 and PKD2.
1: Polycystic kidney disease 1 and 2? Yes. Cool.
0: So if you have a mutation in PKD1 and PKD1 only, you'll get this condition. If you have a mutation in PKD2 and PKD2 only, you'll get this condition. So it is monogenic, just happens to be that not every patient has exactly the same gene that's gone wrong.
1: What happens if both genes are messed up?
0: You have a more severe version of this condition. Oh. Yeah.
1: Too many little tumors.
0: Yeah. And so PKD1 is responsible for 85% of cases having a mutation in that gene, whilst the other 15% is from a mutation in PKD2. Okay. And we've already commented, this is a very common condition, and it does cause some other non-kidney-associated illnesses, which are worth noting. So aneurysms can be caused by this. So do you remember what an aneurysm is?
1: Your a blood vessel in your brain i explodes?
0: No. No, that's that that would be after an aneurysm. You're thinking of like a hemorrhage when it when so the aneurysm is when the blood vessel in your brain gets blocked. And then what you're thinking is afterwards pressure builds up behind it and then it can burst and you can have a hemorrhage. And obviously, a hemorrhage is extremely dangerous; can kill you. Okay, so close. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you just skipped the stage. That was all. You you went to the outcome of an, skip, an aneurysm rather than what an aneurysm to blame,
1: was. To 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 brain explosions. I mean, but, seems fair.
0: But yeah, so this can be caused because you can actually get cysts in blood vessels in the brain as well. I don't know why. Um, Surprise brain tumors? Are you kidding me? Sort of, yeah. What? So what's likely the case is that PKD1 and 2, or both of them, have some role in other areas that have a lot of blood vessels. And that's why you get these problems.
1: Surprise brain tumors.
0: Yeah, in a sense.
1: This is not a good thing.
0: No, and this is why it's good to research this condition and get get better treatments. But... Another issue that can arise from autosomal dominant polycystic kidney disease is also infertility in some cases. And this is because, particularly in men, cysts can grow in the seminal vessels. Ooh. So, uh, if you were wanting contraception, it's kind of done that for you, but uh, you're not really given the choice, which isn't so great.
1: No, that's really sad.
0: Yeah, and uh, on that note, we're going to be taking a break. Okay, and we're back
1: History time?
0: Yes, it is history time.
1: Wait, did we actually cover how the genes? cause this disease? I feel like usually we do that before the break.
0: I had trouble finding what PKD could actually do. Um, I'm going to quickly double check just to make sure. Um, but...
1: So magic. It magically causes
0: little tumors. So it it makes a protein that's called polycystin 1. And... It's... Yeah, okay, I know why I didn't go into much detail how this works. Uh It's because this protein affects how the cells form tight junctions between each other that you would then find in the filtration system of the kidney. It was one of these we taking a very very deep dive that could kind of undermine the point of what we were trying to do. Would you like me to cover it?
1: So magic?
0: You can go with magic. Um,
1: magic slash too complicated science for me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. If
1: you're interested,
0: Google polycystin one.
1: Okay. Moving on. History time.
0: Yeah. Like, it's a simple one. It just holds some cells together. So we'll go to the history. So what do you want to know?
1: How old is polycystic kidney
0: disease? So that's a hard one to determine. Uh, When it comes to what we have for the human record, we don't have any mummies with it. We don't have any really ancient cases that we can reliably say.
1: Do kidneys hang out in mummies or do you take them out?
0: Ah, that, okay, that might have been an issue. I don't know the stage of mummification for ancient Egypt, but that does sound about right. Maybe that's why. Feels
1: like you take out a lot of the soft, squishy bits.
0: Yeah, why don't you just check what the process of mummification is in ancient Egypt? I, I think you're right there. So that, that would be why we didn't, why I wasn't able to find anything in ancient Egyptian records. Uh, there weren't really any written records going that far back that uh, were reliable. So as you can see, this is a condition where you have to typically autopsy someone to see the to see the actual problem. And that has been taboo in many cultures going very far back, so it's very difficult to find it. So, for example, in uh, during the time of uh, the Roman Empire, around about 200 AD, the uh, the doctor and, Physi- and uh, philosopher Galen uh, was known as the father of anatomy. However, autopsies or dissections were not conducted on humans then. It was illegal. So, as was found out many centuries later, some of those uh, descriptions of organs were inaccurate. But if you're not allowed to dissect a human, you're not going to be able to find out what's going on with their kidneys. So there's a lot of historical cases where you're not going to be... There's a lot of uh, instances where we can't... We we don't have any evidence historically of it happening, despite the fact that it almost certainly did happen.
1: Yeah. Oh, I finished Googling. In ancient Egypt, they actually left the heart and the kidneys in the body. They were the only organs not removed during the process of mummification. Oh. And available studies on preserved mummies indicate that kidney indicate that kidney disease was not uncommon.
0: Okay, so it could have been the case. I just wasn't able to find any sources that uh, were linked to polycystic kidney disease specifically. So it could be, it could go back as far, it could go as far back as ancient Egypt with some of those kidneys. We just might need to do more study on it.
1: Okay. So when do we have a record?
0: So the most detailed observations we have are actually the case example I gave you of the Polish King Stephen Bathory.
1: Oh, cool. When did you say that was?
0: So that was in the 1500s. That so that was so so he was king in 1576.
1: Okay. That's quite a while ago for them to figure that out,
0: yeah, um,
1: I guess all you had to do was cut open a kidney and see that it was full of little growths
0: yeah you you had to be in a culture that allowed you to cut a dead body open, yeah, which when you put it that way, is actually quite a big thing. you think about the history of cultures,
1: yeah, but my point is it's it has fairly clear physical
0: yes remnants yes, yes it it does.
1: Okay, so we know it's we, we have records of it from at least the 1500s and assume it's been around much longer, especially if it's this common in the population. Mm-hmm. Why is it stuck around for so long? Why is it not selected against?
0: Well, the symptoms you know typically don't really arrive until you're about forty or fifty, and most you've
1: people... already had kids.
0: Yeah, most people tend to have children by their thirties. Uh, so it's not really selected against as such because you've already had the next generation. Yeah. Because when we think of natural selection, it's a a force that prevents you from passing on your genetic material to the next next generation. So if it's something that affects you after you've already had children, it's not a selection pressure.
1: Yeah. Oh, and I guess also, if you say it tends to really start harming people aged like... 50 to 70, then actually through a lot of human history, lifespan was on average less than that, so that might be where we don't have many
0: records. Yeah, and I mean, there are even still some places today that have noticeably lower life expectancies or very young populations, and therefore these things wouldn't be very apparent. Yeah. I did try to see if there are any studies to trace the mutations, to see if there's any genetic history to this. Okay. And this was a little difficult because it turns out there are 436 pathogenic PKD1 mutations and 115 pathogenic PKD mutations reported by 2012. So there may be more that we know of now.
1: But I thought you said it was caused by one...
0: One gene. They They can be screwed up in different ways.
1: Oh, but it all causes this disease? Yes. Okay.
0: So trying to find a common ancestor for a mutation line is a bit difficult when there's that many because researchers don't really know where to start or which one to start with. Yeah. However, I did find that uh, PKD1 mutations can cause autosomal-dominant polycystic kidney disease in not only humans, but also mice and monkeys. So I did a, the little... Uh, um evolutionary tree timeline thing to work out when potentially this propensity could have originated from. And the common ancestor for both humans, mice, and monkeys was around about 30 million years ago. Wow. So it's possible that PKD1 mutations causing kidney disease have been around for over 30 million years.
1: Kidney cysts for everyone!
0: Yeah, that's like the worst Oprah prize ever. (laughs) <laughs> you get assist. No, you get assist.
1: <laughs> so, when did we start actually figuring this out? There was the Polish king in the fifteen hundreds.
0: Yeah. However, as uh, as I said from that, it was actually three hundred forty seven years later that he was diagnosed with uh, polycystic kidney disease, which um, even by public healthcare standards, that's a bit late. <laughs>
1: That's a hell of a long NHS waiting list.
0: Yep. So when we actually go to having more timely diagnoses, starts around about 1888 with the Dr. Felix Lejars, who used the term polycystic kidney for the first time, and he stressed that these cysts were what are known as bilateral, so either of the kidneys. And causing clinical, identifiable, clinically identifiable symptoms. So okay. there were symptoms associated with the kidneys. It happened in both kidneys. It wasn't just one, the other.
1: Is, did, did they need to characterize this as different from other kidney disease? Cause in my head, like kidney disease is a standalone
0: thing. Well, you could have scarring of the kidney. You could have infection of the kidney. Um, that's causing the, you have inflammation of the kidney. So there could be different things that are causing the kidney disease.
1: Okay. But this this produces its own specific symptoms as opposed to those other kidney diseases?
0: Yes. So that was obviously a big development. And then at the end of the 19th century, so probably like only like a decade later, uh, the basic clinical signs and genetic basis for the disease have been better defined. So at that point, people were like, you can inherit this. And this is the pattern of inheritance. Cool. Uh however the PD the PKD genes were not actually identified until the nineteen
1: nineties. Yeah, standard.
0: Yeah. To be fair, that's actually as as far as these go quite early, that's still before the Human Genome Project. So we hadn't sequenced the whole human genome, but we'd identified these genes. Cool. So good on them.
1: Okay, so where are we now with treatment?
0: So I took a look and I don't know how much of this is due to lack of research in the first place or lack of progress or funding or the pandemic, but there are no clinical trials underway involving polycystic kidney disease at all.
1: Oh, it feels like it would be a primary for research since it's so common.
0: Yeah, there are gene... Well, yeah, there are gene therapy studies that are in the preclinical stages of development. So these are only being done on cell lines, really. Like, probably not even at animal stages. This is really, really early. Okay. Um, So it was very hard to find any data on the success of those.
1: Yeah. Okay, so research is happening, but stay tuned for a couple of decades.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is a... If anything that's happening now makes it to the market, it's going to be like 15 years' time. So, yeah, that's unfortunately where we're at with research.
1: That's disappointing.
0: A little bit, yeah.
1: Okay, well, I guess it's time for the final section then. What's the stigma with this disease?
0: So, there's a couple, and they, the, all, the, all the misconceptions of polycystic kidney disease are basically the misconceptions of kidney disease in general. The first, uh, myth is that kidney disease is rare. When you consider that one in a thousand people can have a condition that can cause kidney disease and kidney failure alone, just, just that, regardless of any of the other causes of kidney disease, it's not rare.
1: No, I mean, it's still, like, you might not know somebody with it, but. Yeah. There's still a lot of people out there with it.
0: Yeah, definitely so it's not at all rare another misconception is that you'll know if you have kidney disease and that's not true at all because polycystic kidney disease it can take a good 40 years for you to know because the early stages don't show symptoms
1: huge apologies to any hypochondriacs like me out there very worried about their kidneys
0: the third misconception is that if you're at risk of kidney disease there's nothing you can do about it that's not really true. So it's depending on the type of kidney disease you have and things like that. Careful diet, exercise and controlling your blood pressure with the correct medication can slow the progression and potentially delay the beginning of symptoms. And this can be good if, for example, you have polycystic kidney disease, you have a hereditary one, then you can do those to help manage it alongside surgical interventions when needed. So there are things that can be done about kidney disease. Okay. And the final misconception is that the only treatment for kidney disease is dialysis.
1: I mean, no, we talked about different medications.
0: Yeah, and that misconception is possibly a bit of a dark marketing ploy as well, which is quite sick. Because if patients assume that the only way they can manage it is dialysis, they will not look at other options that a physician can put forward to them. So they will not necessarily get get a a kidney transplant for example which would mean that they then don't need dialysis and dialysis is very expensive and makes a lot of money
1: and a slightly more positive spin on that is people don't know very much about kidneys but dialysis is pretty well known
0: yeah but there's a lot of shows about people who have kidney failure and a family member donates a kidney for them so it's still kind of amazing that that there is this misconception that dialysis is your only option and uh, on that we are at the end of the episode
1: okay that was really interesting
0: i do have a little bit of reading that's uh was worth taking a look at so this is called teardrops of kidney a historical overview of polycystic kidney disease and this covers some of the history particularly that of uh, king bathory
1: cool if you have any thoughts on this podcast or any suggestions for future episodes get in touch with us on on twitter at genetic drift one on our email at genetic drift at gmail dot com, or join our facebook group and get involved in the discussion also leave us a review on itunes because it helps us appear in the charts so other people can hear us
0: yes thank you very much and on that note, the music for this podcast, as with every other episode, is produced by William Kitchen Music, so please check that out. And I'd just like to say, withhold your judgment because you can't see the genes, so don't expect to see the illness. Goodbye. Bye.